You see, in life, you're going to get dirty. And there's only one person who can clean you up, and that is Jesus. The good shepherd. Sheep get dirty. And there's nothing we can do about the dirt that may get on us, but there's something the shepherd can do. He can come inside and clean us up. I'd like for you to turn in your Bible right quick. We got to make this quick. Well, I should never say that. Anyway, Ezekiel, Ezekiel the 34th chapter, Ezekiel the 34th chapter, right quick. Now, we have been going through the last four weeks, this is week number five, I believe it is, week number five. We've been looking at the book of Ezekiel, and, uh, and, it, and even though it mostly relates to the city of Jerusalem and, uh, and Israel and the city of Jerusalem, we asked the question because we asked the question, how would this book be relevant for you and I. After all, according to Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture, that means the old and the new, is all God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for uh, correcting and training in righteousness. So what could God teach me or even correct me or train me through the book of Ezekiel? Now, this is the first time I've ever done a series on the book of Ezekiel in 40-something years of ministry. First time. And, but I felt led of the Lord to do that. And so this book that was written, uh, prophesied or written, was written over a 20-year period while the Israelites are in Babylonian captivity. They are in captivity. They have been brought out of their land. They have been taken to Babylonia, which is today modern-day Iraq. Uh, they have been taken over there, and now they are in captivity, and God begins to speak through the prophet Ezekiel. And we won't go into all about Ezekiel and everything because we've covered that. But God begins to speak, and, and, and one of the key thoughts that we need to remember, we need to remember this, is that... Is that Sin is a serious matter. I need to say that. For some reason, I'm really feeling emphasized. Sin is a serious matter and bears consequences. And because of the Israelites' sin, their rebellion against God, they're doing their own thing, they're worshiping other idols and everything, because of that, it cost them freedom. It cost, caused them to go into captivity because God was trying to get their attention. God was disciplining them. You know, we can call it, use the term judgment or whatever, but God was disciplining the children of Israel, trying to get their attention and bring their heart back to himself. Uh, and, and listen, when God disciplines, he always does it not to hurt, but to bring back. He's not doing it because he's angry or mad at you. He disciplines you because he wants to correct you, bring you back into a right relationship with him. And so God will sometimes discipline his children. And uh, I have experienced that. Have you? 
Oh, yeah, okay. And so last week, uh, we found that Ezekiel addressed some of the surrounding nations in chapters 25 through 32 because God was not just concerned about his chosen people, the people of Israel, but he was also concerned about the entire world. And even though God had a covenant relationship with the Israelites, God was going to use the Israelites to bless the entire world. Because it was through the Israelites that God was going to redeem mankind. It was through the Israelites that God was going to bring forth his son into the world and pay the price for the sin of mankind. And, 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 and so God was, had a plan for Israel, but he also had a plan for the rest of the world. And so he begins to turn to the rest of the world and he says, now I've got some issues with you as well. Even though you're pagans, even though you don't believe in me, I want you to know I've got some issues with you. And it was amazing that we talked about some of those issues that God had with the surrounding nations. And, 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 and really, if you want to know the truth, they're just some of the issues that God has with us, with human nature. Pride, gloating, you know, all of those things, revenge, you know, things that we all deal with. And we use the scripture above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life you got to guard your heart. And I'm telling you, we need to be on guard against our surrounding environment shaping us rather than God's Word shaping us. Mm. God, I do not want to be shaped by my environment. I want to be molded and shaped by the Word of God. God, what do you say? I know what the world says, but what do you say? What do you say about relationships? What do you say about finances? What do you say about worship? Not what the world says. What do you say? And we need to shape our lives by God's word. Well, today I want us to look at chapter 33. Well, we're just going to look at one, one phrase. In chapter 33... After all the prophecy, all these seven years, there have been seven years of prophecy going on about how Jerusalem was going to fall, about how that the siege wars were going to set up, Jerusalem was going to fall, and the temple was going to be burned to the ground. It was going to be destroyed. And in chapter 33, it happens. In fact, there's a man that escaped from Jerusalem that came running into Babylonia, that came running to Ezekiel there at uh, Kareb, uh, I believe it was Kareb or Kareb, where the, the city of uh, the the river there, and he ran to Ezekiel and he said, the city has fallen, just as God had said through Ezekiel. But in Ezekiel 34, now remember, Ezekiel's been quiet towards Israel, but now in Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel begins to again speak to the nation of Israel. And I want us to look right quick in Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, and I want you to look. Now, this is where it gets good. We've talked about the doom and the gloom. Now, this is where it gets good. In chapter 34, verse 12, verse, verse 11, I'm sorry. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock, when he is with them, so will I, talking, this is God speaking, 
so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on the day on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out of the nation out from the nations and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel in the ravines and all the settlements in the land. I will tend them I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There 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 they will lie down and feed in good grazing land, and there they will feed in in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. Now notice, verse 23, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. Now, gotta get this. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. David has been dead for a few hundred years. And he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, God was referring to Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, the one shepherd. He has, if you study the lineage and the life of Jesus, you'll find he came from the lineage of David. And God had promised David that there will be a king that will reign on his throne forever, referring to Jesus. And again, Jesus, or God, begins to tell the Israelites, I'm going to have one shepherd. I'm going to bring you out of the land. I'm going to tend you, and I'm going to take care of you. In chapter 36 and verse 24, notice what he says. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I love that. So for just a moment, I want us to take a look at the good shepherd. Now, in John, the 10th chapter, you'll find it up here on the board. In John, the 10th chapter, verse 11 through 15, and then verses 27 through 30, it says, the good, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hard hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one, get that, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now, for just a few minutes, I want us to kind of take a look at the nature of sheep. Now, Sheep, I'm just going to tell you, sheep are dumb. And it's amazing that God uses this illustration of a shepherd and sheep referring to you and I and to Israel. Now, don't, don't get mad at me, but I want you to think. By nature, sheep are dirty animals. Did you know that? They're dirty. They cannot clean themselves. They cannot wash themselves. They cannot get the dirt or the grime off themselves. They are naturally just dirty animals, and, and their wool gets dirty, and they can't do anything about it. They become weighted down from their environment, and they can't even clean themselves up. Now, just for a moment, I am going to be honest with you. Do you ever feel like that you're just dirty and that you just can't seem to clean yourselves up. Now, can I be real with you? I had a situation this week. Thank God for his strength. Have you ever been in one of those situations that you didn't want to be in? You see, I got a... I, I get this word. I, I, I did a job, or I was, I'm still doing the job. God forgive me for doing that job, too. And I, I, I'm serious about that. God's taught me a powerful lesson. But anyway, I've been doing this job, and it's, it's, it started way back in May, and still ain't finished with it yet, and it's kind of one of those things that's drug out. And anyway, when I started this job, this, uh, this, this guy, anyway, not to go into the long story, but anyway, uh, he, we had to run some brand new conduit. It had to be in a ditch, and uh, there was 13 runs of it, and you know, we had to pull all this wire and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and so I, there's no schematic. I'm good at reading schematics. If you give me a schematic, I can, pretty much, I can read a set of prints and everything. There's no schematic. There's no nothing. So I'm going on what the guy that's supposed to know it all tells me what I need. And so he gives me the catalog number. He says, I want you to order this cable. I need this cable. Well, I ordered it, and I, when I called and I checked on the price, it's $2,500 a roll for 1,000 feet. I need 3,000 feet of it. So that's $7,500 for this one cable that I need. I'm thinking, good gracious, a lot. Well, I found it a little cheaper, but anyway. And so anyway, I pull all the wire in and everything. And so they come this week, and they set the pumps. Now, we've changed from the original guy that's doing it to a new group of people. And they looked at me and said, these cables won't work. I said, sorry. And we need a Cat 5 cable. You can't pull a Cat 5 cable in with power cable. It's against code. I knew that, so I didn't pull a Cat 5 cable in. So, he tells us, you got to run another conduit. It ain't happening. 
It ain't happening. It's already concreted. Everything's buried. It ain't happening. And so anyway, just to make a long story short, this guy gets on the phone with the original guy, and he says, he said, and he, he gets the phone to me. He said, you talk to him. And the guy said, you knew that was a wrong cable. You knew it wasn't the twisted pair. And I said, it is the cable that you gave me the catalog number for. I said, I ordered exactly what you told me to order. It's not my fault, and I'm not taking the blame. And he kept kind of raising his voice at me, and I said, I'm not going to talk to you about this anymore. That's what I told him. And I handed the phone back to the owner. That's what about my business. Now, you see at that moment, I felt the, the environment getting me dirty. <laughs> I know you haven't been there. <laughs> you haven't been there. The environment just kind of getting me dirty. You're getting, you're getting under my feathers. You're getting, under, you're, getting, you're getting next to me now, buddy. You are not willing to take responsibility for what you did, but you want to blame me. And I, my feathers were getting a little ruffled. Now, I'm a person that when I get ruffled, I feel bad at Jesus. You see, in life, you're going to get dirty. And there's only one person who can clean you up, and that is Jesus. The good shepherd. Sheep get dirty. And there's nothing we can do about the dirt that may get on us, but there's something the shepherd can do. He can come inside and clean us up wash us and make us whole and purify. Now, I didn't cuss or anything, and I didn't say any bad words. I just gave the phone back to him. But I want you to understand, sheep get dirty. And, and, and because they can't clean themselves, they have to have a shepherd. The nature of a sheep is that a sheep cannot defend themselves. They are defenseless. They cannot defend themselves. So they have no means to protect themselves. Sheep require more attention than any other animal. They are dependent. They are not independent. They are dependent. And last of all, sheep are dumb. If left to themselves, they will destroy themselves. Now, I'm going to tell you, sheep are not particularly bright animals. Sheep follow the crowd. And don't think of the consequences. It's not that they just, now hear me, it's not that they just occasionally wander off. It's their pattern. They just wander off all the time. They don't do it every once in a time. They do it all the time. It is predictable. It's expected. And they're easily distracted and led astray. There's a story about a, that ran in the Washington Post in 2005 that talked about uh, uh, shepherds in Giva, I believe it's uh, Giva's Turkey, who were watching uh, uh, with shock hundreds, hundreds of sheep. And all of a sudden, this one sheep just kind of wandered off, began to wander off, and he wandered off and went off a cliff and died. Not only did one sheep wander off, 400 followed that one sheep. 400 followed that one sheep. And all 400 of them went off the ledge to their death. The other 1,100 began to follow the 400. And the 1,100 sheep ran off the cliff. Fortunately, they didn't die because of the 400 sheep that caught their fall. True story. 
they just wonder. There's a song that we used to sing, I'm prone to wonder. Remember that song, that chorus that we sing, prone to wonder? It's an old hymn, I believe it is. We're prone to wonder as sheep. We're prone to get distracted. We're prone to to wander off. And that's the nature of you and I. You see, long ago, the prophet recognized the human condition was much like a sheep. For he wrote, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We have followed our own instincts and sometimes the crowd instead of the shepherd. And the result is always destruction. There was a few years ago, there was a man that was watching some sheep being taken to slaughtered. And he noticed that they were in this huge truck and they were curious sheep and they were amazing and they were amusing, I should say. They were amusing. They were sticking their nose out the fence and they were, you know, just kind of bawling and, and making all this noises and just seemed to be real, just kind of humorous, not knowing they were going to their slaughter. Not knowing. They were experiencing the new smells and sights and sounds. And little did they know they were getting ready to be butchered. And he goes on to make this application. On a daily basis, we are offered joy rise that sometimes promise pleasure, adventure, opportunities that seem uh, to to realize our ambition for recognition and power and material wealth and intimacy and even meaning. At every turn, we're led by our advertisers to invitations for rides, which is on the roads that will result in spiritual death. We are like sheep that have gone astray. But now let's get to the good shepherd. Let's get to the heart of what I want to share. This is not don't don't this is not a demeaning. The nature of a good shepherd. We find that the nature of a good shepherd, he says, I lay down my life. I lay down my life for my sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life. He puts his sheep before himself. He sacrifices himself if necessary. A hired man is not a real shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him. He sees a wolf come and he runs from it, leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He is only in it for the money. The sheep don't matter to him. But as you know, Jesus Christ died in our place. Jesus died for our sins, not as a martyr. Let me hear this. Not as a martyr or because he was murdered, because he willingly laid down his life for our sins. Jesus was not murdered. He was not martyred. He laid down his life. He gave his life as a ransom for my sin, for your sin. And Ezekiel's talking to the children of Israel, and he said, listen, God is going to send you a good shepherd. There's going to be one shepherd, and this shepherd is going to lay down his life for his sheep, for all of mankind, for all of the world. So we find that the nature of a good shepherd is that he redeems, he lays down his life. The second one is that the, the, the good 
product or the nature of a good shepherd is that he has a relationship. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Notice what he said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep knows me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. The word knows there means is not a book knowledge. It's not a book knowledge. It's a Greek word that means intimacy, a personal knowledge. I want you to know that Jesus knows you and wants you to know him. He knows everything about you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he loves you anyway. You matter to him. Just as a shepherd knows the individual bleats and baws of the sheep, the good shepherd knows every detail about us. He knows every detail. There is nothing hid from God. God knows every little detail about you. He knows what your weakness is. He knows what your strength is. He knows what, 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 you, what provokes you. He knows every detail of your life. He knows those, sin thing, those hidden things in your heart that you don't want anybody else to know about. God knows about them, and he loves you anyway. God loves you. He knows everything about you. A good shepherd always provides. He knows our basic needs. God knows that you need a roof over your head. God knows that you need food on the table. God knows that you need love. God knows that you need protection. God knows every basic need that you need in your life. And God said, God said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of the things that you need, all the things that you need will be added unto you. God knows what you need before you need it. A good shepherd always provides for everything that you need. And I'm going to be honest. I have never, ever, ever been without what I needed in my life. I may not have always had what I wanted, but I tell you, I've always had what I needed. I may have had to walk but I had what I needed. I had two legs. Had a pair of shoes. I've always had food. It may not have been a steak like I had last night. Sometimes it might have been bologna. I hate bologna. I hate bologna. If I come to your house and you feed me a bologna sandwich, I will eat it graciously and with thanksgiving, but I hate bologna. <laughs> Because as a kid, I ate bologna. I ate it fried. I ate it cold. I ate it any way we could get it. I don't like bologna today. I'm just saying. God knows our basic needs. God pilots, a good shepherd pilots. He, need, he knows our need for direction. Listen, if left to myself, I would go off the edge of the cliff. If left to myself, I would, lead, I would end up in a life of destruction. If left to my own means and myself, I'm telling you what, I would not be where I'm at today. God knows that I need a pilot. I need someone to give me direction. That's why he gave me the gift and you the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he will guide us through the life, through the journey of life. And I'm telling you, God is a good shepherd who knows how to pilot his sheep. 
He doesn't drive his sheep. He leads them. He leads them. There is not a leads them. He's a sheep that will be driven. A sheep has to be led. And God knows how to lead his sheep. A good shepherd protects, and he knows our need for security. He knows I need, you know, I, he, he knows I need security. I need to feel secure. I, I, I tell this when I'm talking about uh, uh, doing premarital counseling. One of the basic needs of a woman is security. They need to feel secure. They need to feel like that, that, that they're going to be taken care of, that their needs are going to be met. They need to feel that security. And I'm convinced that us men need the same thing. God says, I'll take care of every need, and I'll make sure that you're secure. And he pursues us. He knows our need for compassion. He knows each, of one, each one of you intimately, and he cares for you. He goes and searches for the wandering ones. Even those we think of as hopeless sinners are still sheep. And even though they may have strayed and have become lost, Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The lost are still sheep by nature. God's creation, and God is pursuing them. A true shepherd has compassion. Compassion. Jesus says that I am the gate. I am the gate. Now, at first, it sounds like this is a double, uh, a little confusing. But a a gate at that time, you got to understand, when Jesus said, I am the gate, the shepherd when he would corral his sheep into a pen, into a cave or into a pen that is surrounded by briars, there would be one opening. And at night, the shepherd would lay down at that one opening. And a lot of shepherds lost their life protecting their sheep. But he would literally lay down at the gate. He would lay down at the opening. And all night long, he would be watching for predators coming in. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep. I'm amazed at the compassion that God has for me. He literally lays down his life. The whole life of a shepherd is to is lived to do good to the sheep. Jesus said, the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full or more abundantly. Now, I want you to get this. Jesus, the good shepherd, comes to give life. It is unfortunate that we have reduced the Christian life to a moral code. Hear what I'm saying. It is unfortunate that we have reduced the Christian life to a moral code. There is a moral code. Can I say that again? There is a moral code. But it is so much more than that. 
It misses the point when we present the Christian life as a set of rules or a body of doctrine. It is tragic when we reduce the Christian life to some kind of formula. It totally misses the point of the Christian life in, as a relationship. It means that our loving shepherd following him, listening to his voice, and trusting him. I'm telling you, God in Jesus Christ is a good shepherd. There is a moral code, but God is more concerned about you hearing his voice, listening to him, and following him. That's why he said, I'm going to give your heart, I'm going to give you a new heart. It's no longer going to be the heart of stone that you have. It's going to be a fleshly heart. I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to write on your heart the code, the word, the law of God, and that now you do things because you want to do it. You're in a relationship with a loving God that loves you so much that he writes his word into your heart that it just becomes a part of the way you live. I love that. I love that. You know, I lived a Christian life for a long time. And the reason I lived a Christian life is because I didn't want to go to hell. I'm just going to be honest. I, when I was young, we, we, we got preached hell, hell, hell. Everyone's going to hell. And if you don't get born again, you're going to hell. That's true. The only way to avoid hell is to become born again. Through Jesus Christ, that's the only way. The only way. But I mean, that was drilled into me. And so I gave my heart to Jesus because I didn't want to go to hell. I'm being real. And I'll tell you what, I lived the moral law. Boy, if I said something wrong, oh, Jesus, oh, God, I, 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 I'm sorry for what I said. Forgive me. And, and I'd get up, and, and, you know, God would forgive me. And if I said it again, I'd get back down on my knees. I'd, find, I'd go to the bathroom in school and find a place to pray. Because I ain't going to hell. If Jesus comes back and I just lied, I'm not going to hell. I'm going to go find a place and pray. Because I'm not going to hell. I live like that. Now, you, I'm going to be honest. That's a miserable way to live. It's a miserable way to live. Always scared that you're going to mess up. Always scared that you're going to miss the mark. Always scared that, you know, that Jesus is going to come back right after you said something you shouldn't have said. That's a horrible way to live. But I used to live like that. Because I didn't understand relationship. When Jesus came into my heart, he didn't come just to save me from hell. He came to establish a relationship with me. So he could write in my heart his word, his moral code. So he could write it upon my heart so that I might not sin against God. You see, today... I don't go around finding a bathroom every time I miss the mark. I just say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And, and I, I didn't mean to do that. I missed it there. I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And I go on. But I don't live in fear. I don't live in that anxiety, that pressure pot. Uh, I'm always worried about sin. Why? Because Jesus writes it in my heart. It's amazing. It changes everything about your life. Things become full of life now. You see, I, I, I used to go to church because I had to go to church. 
I don't go to church because I have to, even though I'm the pastor. I go to church because I get to go to church. I get to be with you folks. I get to fellowship with you. I get to worship with you. I get to lift up my hands and act like a nut uh, at church. I get to do that. And, and so I get to do that. So it, it changes everything. You see, when I had to go to church, I dreaded going to church. But now that I get to go to church, I enjoy going. There's a difference. And see, that's what God wants. He wants you to have such a relationship with him, an intimacy with him. He wants that you are listening to what he's speaking and that you're following him. I don't want to be just a person that's not going to hell. I want to be a person that has a relationship with the good shepherd who is protecting me and providing for me and speaking to me and changing and directing my life because I understand that my good shepherd wants always what is good for me. He always wants what's good. He always wants what's I'd rather do it his way. The older I get, the more I want to do it his way because when I do it my way, it becomes hard. But when I do it his way, it seems to be a life of ease. Now, there's bumps in the road and everything, but God wants us to have that relationship, that intimacy with him. Jesus said, follow me. Those are some simple and yet most difficult words ever spoken in the history of the world. It is one thing to confess your sins and ask Christ to come into your life, and it is a necessary thing. But it is quite another to actually follow Jesus day by day, hour by hour. And becoming a Christian is not a crisis event. It is an ongoing relationship with God that results in a new way of living. If there's anything about the story of the shepherd and the sheep tells us is that the Christian life is not about going through a few steps so we can avoid heaven and hell. Avoid heaven and get to hell. Avoid hell and get to heaven. But it's about a relationship that takes place between the shepherd and his sheep. It's not about getting into the fold, for that is never mentioned. It's about following the shepherd. It's about following the shepherd. You see, today, I want you to follow Jesus. I want you to follow Jesus. And I've learned something about following Jesus. God will take me through some moments in life that it feels like that the shepherd is a long ways off. But I've discovered something, that when I feel like the shepherd is a long ways off, he's right there beside me. Because he said, I will never leave thee, I will never forsake thee. Right quick in closing, what are the benefits of following a shepherd? I give to them eternal life. I give them eternal life. You see, we have eternal life because we started following the shepherd, Jesus. They shall never perish. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I will never perish. And I love this last one. No one shall ever pluck them out of my hand. No one, no man shall ever pluck them out of my hand. Do you know that I will never be separated from God? No matter what I face, no matter what I go through, I will never be separated from God. When I'm following the shepherd, when I'm listening to the shepherd, when I'm hearing his voice, even though he may seem like he's a long ways off, he hears my bleat. He hears my bah. He's always near. And he's never, ever, ever out of my reach. No one shall pluck them from my father's hand. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. No matter what you face in life, no death itself can't separate you from God the Father. There is not a, there's not, listen, there is not a trial that you can go through that will separate you from God. There is not a heartache that you will face that will separate you from God. I'm telling nothing you face, and you will face heartaches. You will face drought moments. You will face times in your life when you feel like God is no longer speaking to you. But I'm telling you, God is right beside you. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You will never be out of the hand of God. What a promise that when I'm fixing to go over the cliff, my God who has that shepherd's hook, grabs me by the neck and pulls me back to himself so that I won't perish. I know that I'm a pastor. I've been doing this for a long time. But there's times that I have felt like giving up. Can I be real? There's times I felt like I've had enough. I can make a lot more money somewhere else. And I don't have the stress and I don't have all the stuff to go with it. I can work from 8 to 5, 7 to 3, whatever. And when it's over, it's over. But you know what? That's not what God called me to do. And, and, and I'm not saying that to say, woe is me. That's not, that's not the point. My point is, no matter who you are, there's going to be moments that you feel like throwing in the towel. And when you feel like you're about to go over the edge, but if you're following Jesus, he'll reach out with his arms of love and he'll grab you by the hand and say, listen, you're not going anywhere. I love you too much. I love you too much. I, I'm not letting you perish. You're struggling, but I'm not going to let you perish. I'm not going to let you go over the edge because I love you. And I care about you. And even in the silent moments of life, I want you to know that I'm with you to the end of the age. That's God. There's something about that. Knowing that I have a good shepherd. And, 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 and thank you, Travis. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want you to stand up here. There's something about reading the book of Ezekiel and seeing all the things that the Israelites did and the people in Jerusalem did, seeing everything 
They, they rebelled and disobeyed and, and all, everything. I mean, I, just, I look at that, and yet in the middle of it, God says, hey, guess what? I'm going to send you a good shepherd. I'm going to send you a good shepherd who's going to love his sheep, who's going to protect him, who's going to give you a good land. Let, let, me, let me tell you what. I'm 63, getting ready to turn to the big 6'4". And I say this in all sincerity. Derek, if you'll come get ready. I say this in all sincerity. God has been good to me. There's been bumps in the road. There's been valleys. There's been moments that I didn't sense the presence of God or feel the presence of God like we felt this morning. There's been moments when I felt like God was silent. There's been moments when things didn't go my way. There have been moments my feathers have been ruffled. There's moments that I even didn't agree with my leadership. Yeah, I didn't agree with my leadership. I remember one time I went up to my overseer, and I was going through a time in my life where I was going through some changes, spiritual changes. And I had been raised in a certain way, and I was taught, so I thought. And finally one day it came to a head, and I went to my overseer, and I looked at him. I looked at him, and I said, I don't believe this anymore. I believed in Jesus. Didn't have anything to do with that. But there was a couple of teachings that I said, I don't believe this anymore. I believe that what we're teaching is not biblical. It's wrong. I told him that. And I worked for him. I was on his staff. But I had reached that point. And he knew I had reached that point. I said, I just don't believe this anymore. And during that time, God took care of me. First of all, he could have fired me on the spot and said, I don't need you anymore on my staff. I'll let you go. But the man was so gracious. Now, this is, this, now I, I'm in my 20s. This guy has got to be 100 years old. <laughs> At least that's what I thought. That he looked 100. He acted like 100. And I thought, uh, you know, he, he, he's an old man. He's probably my age today. But anyway, <laughs> I don't look as old as he did. But he was old man. And I never will forget, he looked at me and he said, Randy, he said, I don't have any problem with that. And I'm thinking, do what? He said, I don't have any problem with that. And he gave me some instructions and sent me out the door to do my job. And I'm amazed by that. You see, there's going to be times in your life where you're going to have questions. And God doesn't mind you having questions. God doesn't mind you asking, well, God, I'm not sure I believe this. I'm not sure I understand this. And God says, it's okay. But if you'll hang with me, if you'll hang with me and you'll continue to follow me, I'll give you revelation. I'll give you understanding. If you'll keep doing what you know to do, keep doing what you know to do, keep doing what you know is right, and keep doing what I've led you to do, and keep following me. He says, I'm going to give you revelation. I'm going to give you understanding. 
Because I'm going to write it on your heart that you'll begin to understand. And, and I'm going to tell you, during that time, our church was going through a big change. And God's, and I'm going to tell you, I was going to leave. I was going to leave. I was out the door. I'm going. I'm, I'm gone. And God spoke to me one day, and he says, stay where you're at. You see, I'm talking about following the shepherd. He said, stay where you're at. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay where you're at. That's all he told me. Well, that didn't, didn't settle well with my wife at all. Because I called my wife and I said, hey, I heard from the Lord. I heard from the Lord. He said, for us to stay where we're at. He said, she said, well, I haven't heard nothing from him. <laughs> Did you not say that? I hadn't heard nothing from him. And then several weeks later, he spoke to me again. He said, be a part of the change. Don't just leave. Be a part of the change. And right there, God spoke to me. Just follow me. Keep doing what you're doing and be a part of the change. What you have is a revelation for me. You need to be a part of the change. And it was during that time that things began to change. And today, they're completely different from what they were then. But you see, had I, had I not heard the shepherd and I went out on my own, I would have made the biggest mistake of my life. But because I followed the shepherd and I let him guide me through the difficult waters, through the muddy waters, through things that weren't so clear, God gave me revelation. Gave me revelation. And he directed my path. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't take anything, anything. If I had my life to do over again, I'd want to do it again. Because God has been good. God has been faithful. God has written his word on my heart. And it's not a religion to me. It's a way of life. It's a journey. It's a relationship with a loving, good shepherd. That's who God spoke through Ezekiel and said, I'm going to send you. So my question today for you is, do you know the good shepherd? I'm not talking about religion. I'm not even talking about the Christian life. Do you know the shepherd? Jesus Christ. Do you know him in an intimate, personal way? He knows everything about you. And the amazing thing is, he wants you to know everything about him. He wants you to have such a unique closeness that, that oh, that even before he coughs, you know he's going to cough. I know I'm being a little facetious there. But see, you know, I, I've been married to my wife for 40 years. She doesn't have to say a word. She doesn't have to say one thing. And a lot of times I know what she's thinking before she says it. I can tell by her expression. I can tell by her expression. She doesn't have to say one single word to me. I can tell by her expression whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong. That's all. Not a word. Not a word. She knows me, and I know her. And that same way God is saying, I, want, I know you. I want you to know me. I want you to have such a closeness and a fellowship with me. 
that I'm there even when I'm not there. Or you think I'm not there. He's always there. I want you to have that with me. Would you stand? So my question today is, do you know the good shepherd? I want to read this passage one more time in John, the 10th chapter, and then I want to give an invitation for us to worship, for you to make a decision. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. That's what God wants for you. He is the good shepherd. Do you know him today? Do you know him as he knows you? Do you know him when you're going through those dry moments? Do you know him when he feels so far away? Do you know him when you're facing even death? Because even death can't take you out of God's holy presence. Can't separate you from him. I love that. Father God, would you speak to our hearts today? I don't want this church to be a church of religion. I don't want this church to be a church where we go through the motions. Motions get tired. I don't want this church to be a church where we just live by a moral code. But I want this church where your law is written on our hearts. Where we do the things because you've wrote them on our hearts to do. Will we become the people that you want us to become because we're following you and you're writing that. You're changing our hearts from the inside out. You're changing our lives, God, and you're teaching us and you're growing us. God, you're helping us to love God like you love. God, I want to be a part of that church. I want this church to be one that is totally listening and following you. And when you're silent, I want us to keep doing what we know to do because there's going to come a time when you're going to give divine revelation. You're going to give understanding and you're going to show us yourself like you've never showed us before. So I pray, Lord, give us a heart today for you, Jesus. I want a heart for you today. I want a church that has a heart for you today the good shepherd. God, would you speak to us? God, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their savior, as their shepherd, God, would you speak to their heart today? Would you draw them? I can't draw them. I can't give them life, but you can give them life. You can draw them. You can speak life into their situation. You can heal their brokenhearted. You can make life new and fresh again. So would you draw them to you, Jesus? Would you give them a revelation of who you are and what you want to do in their life? 
God, I pray, make yourself known right now in the name of Jesus. As every head's bowed and every eye's closed, maybe today you don't know Jesus. This altar's open. I'd love for you to come or even right there at your seat, wherever you're comfortable. Would you just ask him, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be my shepherd today. I want to follow you. I don't want to be just a Christian. I want to be a follower. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your voice. I want to follow you wherever you lead me. And I'm telling you, if you do, it'll be a life that you won't regret. Doesn't mean everything's going to go your way, but I guarantee you, the shepherd will bring you and keep you and sustain you and be good to you. Lead us, Derek. Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.